Hi, and welcome to Drawing Inspiration. I am your host, Mike Hendley. Episode 68, Taming Inner Demons with Pencils and Magic with Marta Vitkevich. Hi, I'm so thankful that you joined me for this episode. I'll start by covering a few things that have happened to me in the last couple of weeks, and then we'll dive right into this interview. I hope you've been keeping well. I've had some uh, success with some of the original artwork and prints I've put up on my site. These are based on the mushroom ink uh, paintings that I did back earlier this fall. So that's been fun being able to package these. I included a certificate of authenticity with the originals, which I haven't done before. This was my first kind of printing of uh, watercolor, or at least watercolor type paintings, on a different kind of material. So I talked about that Hanamule uh, watercolor paper, and it's been fantastic. Uh, these prints have been well received, so I'm excited about that. I'm going to be probably doing a few more mushroom paintings over the holidays, which I will add to the collection. And uh, there's other work that I'm uh, playing with as well. I've been uh, taking a watercolor course and trying to learn more. I learn something every class. This is with Ian DeHoog, who was a guest on the podcast. And I'll provide links in the show notes to a chickadee I did. That was the one I did in pencil (laughs) initially, and then I did it in watercolor. So that was a good exercise. And then recently we did a, um, we used a reference of his dog as uh, the basis for the class. So I went through that and that was a, a great exercise as well, learning some different skills. Ian is just filled with information. So just sitting with him and painting, you learn so much about how to approach a piece and, and dealing with color and all of that. So I'm looking forward to the remaining classes and then I may do the intermediate or advanced uh, masterclass that he's doing in January as well. So that's been fun. So if you're listening to this podcast before December 17th, <laughs> make note of that day. December 17th at 4 p.m., I'm going to be doing a, a live draw slash paint with uh, Samantha Dion Baker. So Samantha was on a previous podcast episode, and uh, she has uh, had a few books come out and a recent one for children as well. So we'll talk about that. But we're going to be drawing a butterfly because it's Christmas. <laughs> but either way, it's um, it's a photo that I took, and it's a beautiful mix of colors, the uh, butterfly sitting on an echinacea flower. And so we're going to be drawing, painting, whatever you choose to do. Uh, you'll have the ability to download the photo in advance, and then we're all going to join together December 17th at 4 p.m. Eastern to uh, to draw or to paint. And then I'm going to ask each of you to um, to post them through Instagram and tag us, and we'll see what you create. So this is going to be really fun. I haven't done this kind of exercise before where we distribute a, a reference photo in advance, so I'm looking forward to chatting with Samantha again and uh, painting or drawing. I haven't decided how I'm going to approach it yet, but I'm probably going to do, uh, I think, ink and then watercolor on top. So we shall see, but uh, I hope to see you there. So it's that time of year uh, where I kind of reflect on my theme for this year. I've had a creative theme for the last few years, and I just established it as being the year of, and I've talked about this on previous podcasts as well. And so this year was the year of flight and focus, and I was really trying to bring some attention to my creative venture in, uh, you know, I started my newsletter, I launched my shop, I launched my first NFT collection, I've connected with so many creatives around the globe through things like Twitter and Clubhouse. Uh, I worked with Mushroom Inc. for the first time. I did so much this year that uh, that really kind of brought focus to what I'm doing, but I also 
explored other areas, and that's how I considered flight. So this year of flight and focus was really productive for me. So I really enjoyed everything that I did this year and all the people uh, that I made connections with and all the types of art I was exposed to. This was a fantastic year. And so as I look into 2022, I've done some sessions uh, through uh, Clubhouse and other venues where I've talked about this idea of a theme and developing it and throwing out some ideas. So I think I've settled on mine as being the year of storytelling. And the reason I went with that is I think storytelling is really critical for creatives, whether it's your artist statement, whether it's the work that you're doing, a newsletter, so on and so forth. So for me, I want this to be the year of storytelling. I want that to be first and foremost what I'm thinking of when I'm creating a new piece, when I'm uh, writing a script for a podcast or recording one, whether I'm writing my newsletter, and I'm also working on a book. So, so all of this is consistent with kind of how I want to approach this year is being better at storytelling and making a, a conscious effort to weave that into everything that I do creatively. So that's what I'm going to be doing this year. I'll talk about it throughout the year as things are progressing, and uh, I encourage you to do the same. Think of a word that you would like to have as your North Star moving through the year. So people have gone with words like discomfort, you know, getting out of your comfort zone, so trying new things. It could be the year of completion because maybe you leave projects unfinished and you want to focus more on that. And so this really helps when you're faced with a decision. If you're mindful of that theme you've chosen, it helps to direct you a little bit. This isn't an objective as much as a guiding principle for the year. And so I really encourage people to consider adopting a theme for yourself. If you choose to change it three months, six months in, that's okay as well. Or if you decide to add a sub-theme, maybe you have something specific about the first three or four months of the year and you want to have a sub-theme around that, then absolutely do the same. But it's a way to look at the year in a more positive light. So it provides you that opportunity to fold in objectives under that theme and then just go out and create and make. So I'm hopeful you'll embrace the idea of a theme, and maybe we'll talk through it during the year and see how things are going. So, yeah. So the last thing I wanted to mention is I did this whole art versus artist thing on Instagram. I don't know if you've seen this, where you kind of choose your top eight, maybe, works that you've done throughout the year, and I threw a mix of colored pencil, watercolor, ink, and graphite. And I... Once again, I really feel like 2021 was a very productive year for me. I felt like I pushed the boundaries in some areas. It allowed me to kind of focus on some of my skills around watercolor and pencil. And so it's been really great for me. But what I noticed after I pushed out that art versus artist picture of me, because I don't tend to share pictures of me and my artwork, is what what's behind all that? Well, it's things like anxiety and imposter syndrome, and the lack of inspiration, and the fear of missing out, and uh, you know the lack of time, and depression, and indecision, all this, I call it a supporting cast, is constantly kind of working with me, sometimes against me. I try to convince them to work with me, but you know, I, I think showcasing your work, people tend not to realize that there was a lot of effort and a lot of struggle in behind that, and I think we need to acknowledge that that exists. I think we need to Embrace the negative and the positive because that's what makes us who we are. I just want to highlight to people that even though you may feel that you're not as productive as you wanted to be, you were productive and you were able to achieve things, and it may not have been creating the pieces you've wanted, but you've been able to explore or connect with artists, or you've been able to do other things with your time, and you need to take that as it is and understand for next year, how would you do things differently or how would you do things the same but maybe bigger? 
I think we need to look positively on ourselves as creatives and not be so hard on ourselves and what we do and maybe reaching out to people and leaning on other artists and creatives as well when you're running into those challenges and you know finding those people that you can confide in because they're there for you. It's a matter of just reaching out to them and um, and that can be really hard, I know. But uh, I think that we're going to really have a, a great year in 2022 and I'm hopeful that you'll do the same. Lastly, I just wanted to say, take care of yourself over the holidays. Take some time to spend it with friends and family. Don't leave the creativity behind. So if you can sneak a chance to do a sketch or a painting, please do that. The podcast will continue. The next episode will be dropping on December 27th, so I'm not taking a break this year. So I encourage you to come back and listen to that uh, between uh, the holidays, uh, maybe sitting down in front of a fire with some cozy socks on and spin up the podcast, I would appreciate uh, you tuning in. Before we get started with the interview, I wanted to mention that Marta and I talk about her challenges with eating disorders like anorexia and bulimia. While we don't mention kind of specific resources, if you or someone you know is struggling with eating disorders, please reach out and seek the help and support you need. Now, on to the interview. I've been following my guest for over a year now, and her work continues to amaze me. She is able to expose a world of magic and fantasy with just her pencil and paper, using soft marks and textures. She has also devoted much of her time to sharing her story through her newsletter, blog, and Instagram. Storytelling is strong with her, as she continues to challenge herself as an artist and a person. Her story will inspire you to show up each day, push your comfort zone, and embrace your creativity. To talk about her creative journey... I welcome to the Drawing Inspiration Podcast, Marta Vitkavich. Hi, Marta. How are you today? Hi, Mike. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm really, really honored and nervous too. <laughs> That's okay. I've had, uh, we talked earlier, I've had quite a few guests where this has been their first podcast. And I thank you for choosing mine to be your first <laughs> one to be on, because I'm sure you're going to be on many as your career expands. I've been sitting on the sidelines watching your beautiful work. <laughs> and as a pencil artist, I aspire to be as good as you. And I look at your work and it just, it, it blows me away. I, I It's funny because I'm not intimidated by it as much as longing to be that good. It's really crazy for me to, to hear that. It's, I feel like I'm only just beginning and I feel... Uh, during this year, a lot like imposter, you know, <laughs> mm -hmm. but I, I try to embrace it and just just uh, show up every day and, and do my best. What I think is even more impressive is, is not just your technical skills around the art that you create and your focus is largely graphite, mm -hmm. is the words that you write in your blog posts. It's not often that you see artists that put this much effort in their into their technical abilities in addition to trying to understand their own creative mind mm -hmm. and I would encourage everyone and we'll talk about this as we get into the podcast but the stories you tell about Marta hmm. those are words that every creative needs to to hear and to read I would encourage everyone to check your blog posts because they are so valuable I think and as creatives we tend to sit in a room alone all the time mm -hmm. and it's good to hear the voices and it's good to read the words Thank you so much for saying this. Really, I've been. I started my blog this year, and it was very, very scary thing to do. <laughs> I've been writing just for myself since, since I remember. Maybe I was eleven or even ten when I uh, started to write in my journals, 
and I think that writing is the most uh, natural way of expressing myself. I decided to to start sharing all those thoughts and and uh, I write every morning. It's like a ritual. So I thought that why not make it like transform it into something something more than just journal entries for myself. <laughs> well, I think it's uh, it's incredible. I remember seeing that video. I don't know if it was the first video you did. You did a video this year where you talked about everything that you're trying to do. And, and I could see in the video that it was, you were pushing beyond your comfort zone. And I was just, I love it when artists do that. It was my first video. In general, this year was uh, a lot about first times. I always like to understand where artists came from. Mm -hmm. uh, and then we can talk about where you are now. And then I really want to understand how you create uh, from a technical standpoint. You know, looking back as a child, were you always the creative kid? Uh, was was art something that, that latched onto you early in life and then you continued with it? So, it, you know, can you talk about your childhood a little bit and being a creative at that age? I was not like the most of the artists that we know. I've, I've, uh, I haven't started at the early age. Uh, it's something that I took up much later in life. I've been growing up in the countryside. We were living with my grandma. So I've been surrounded by, by animals and uh, we lived very close to the forest, like just 15 minutes walking. I've been mostly outside, you know, spending times with my friends and creating uh, like stories, playing like roles, <laughs> running in the fields, you know, hiding in the forest. Did you feel that, because you talk about magic mm -hmm. a, a fair bit in your blog post, did mm -hmm. you feel when you're when you're enjoying and, and uh, running through the forest and hiding, uh, hiding in the forest and <laughs> playing in the meadows and that, how did that translate into you? Did did you take that on as drawing later on, or did yes. you start drawing at that point and putting your ideas down as stories? Or the way I was growing up, for sure, influenced very much the kind of art that I'm doing right now. It felt like living in those magical realms, you know, becoming those characters. It was mo mostly happening in my head. I didn't put those stories on the on the paper. So you weren't drawing at this point. You were just building up almost like an inventory of yes. stories and characters. Yes, most, more, more like uh, absorbing everything around. I remember drawing only <laughs> during the summers when my cousin would come. Actually, my cousin is from Canada. <laughs> oh, really? okay. I, I've been to Canada a few times, four times, I think. Oh, wow. And he was the one uh, who, who loved to draw. <laughs> and I remember that after, after a whole day of, of playing, you know, running the forest and playing with animals, we would, uh, we would draw little comics about all those stories that we invented during oh, really? the day. Yes. He was so much better than me. <laughs> <laughs> I remember. And how old were you, would you have been at the time? Six, between six and eight, nine. Wow. Later we, we grow up and <laughs> we went into different directions. When did art come to you? Was it, uh, was it through high school? Did you pursue it afterwards? At what point did you figure, wait a sec, this is, in, this is important to me and I need to transition to that? I've been, I've been okay at art, with art at school. You know my surname, Witkiewicz? Mm-hmm. 
is has like artistic roots. There there was a very famous artist, painter, and drawer, and dramaturg writer. Uh, Stanisław Witkiewicz. So you know okay. the, the teachers really liked that, <laughs> and and they they always thought that Marta is you know the the artist one, but it was never my my big passion. I was more into sports. I was very very active. I was very tall. Uh, I think I was the tallest, literally, in my primary school. <laughs> I was already 170 when I was like 12. <laughs> so I was wow. huge, yes. <laughs> Since then, I grow really maybe two centimeters more, <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> so I was playing basketball, and I wanted to become a professional basketball player at some moment. Oh, wow. But, well, I must I must mention since the very beginning, I, I don't want to get uh, dramatic or negative, but uh, I feel like it's, it's such a huge part of my story and it made me who I am right now. Mm -hmm. When I was about 13, I fall into eating disorders, anorexia and, and bulimia and problems with depression. So the the sport was not, not an option anymore. Okay. And it, this was the moment when I turned into more of an internal world and more into the art. Oh, really? Yes. I, really, this this time is a little blurry for me. Like uh, every time I try to recall or, or tell it as a story, is uh, it became chaotic. Uh, but um, art became like my safe harbor at that moment. That's uh, it's special. I mean... Art is like that for many of us, and I'm thankful that you shared that. I think a lot of people will uh, connect with that, and um, thank you for doing that because it's it is hard to to speak about that, and it's it is wonderful to hear that it, it was the, maybe the beginning of us being able to see what you create today. And um, is that it's, it took me a while to start opening about this. I felt ashamed for a long time is in my mind you know eating disorders i i didn't see it like illness i saw it as something i did to myself <laughs> and uh, yes there was a lot of shame around this but now when i see from a perspective i truly wouldn't change it i think that it completely transformed me it helped me to to find myself, and um, I think it was also a reason I wanted to start a blog to talk about you know those inner struggles, inner demons, something that uh, is not very common that people share and open up. And I I know that so many of us struggle with different kind of demons. It's tough. I lost my mom when I was seventeen, and before that I was. Um... I had some bullying that happened in school. So I was at the mm. point when bullying wasn't an issue. And then my mom passed away. And the bouts of depression are huge. Like it, yeah. depression is, we can find that everywhere. And it is hard when you're a teenager to struggle with these things. Because um, most of the conversation you keep in your head, you don't tell the parent, you don't <laughs> tell the friend. Exactly. <laughs> you were going through this and art became your safe harbor. Mm -hmm. What kind of art were you doing? Like, was it reflective of the way you were feeling? Like, what kind of art were you doing at that age? That It was pretty 
disturbing art i think uh, when i when i look at it right now it's so dark so opposite than what i'm doing right now a lot of skulls and um, you know dark very dark backgrounds uh, i was a lot into surrealism <laughs> i i, mm -hmm. I love the salvador dali <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, it was not so much like narrative kind of storytelling that i love right now it was um, it's very bizarre to look at as at this kind of art right now did you feel you were trying to like document your demons versus it's very possible. Um, I should mention that my my journey with art started with uh, tattoos. <laughs> I moved uh, to bigger city um, in the middle of, of high school. There was a tattoo studio just uh, under, uh, like the, below my my apartment. I really never seen something like that in my life before. You know, I I've been living in countryside in my little uh, enclave i don't know what is the word like oasis <laughs> okay and oasis yes yes mm -hmm. and um this this kind of sound that tattoo machines do was very very curious and i made friends with with people in the studio they they show me what they do and and propose me to to be apprentice <laughs> oh really <laughs> yes so I have I have many many tattoos since then. <laughs> I've noticed that it, it kind of sneaks beyond your uh, your sweater at yes. times in your, <laughs> on your side. I, I totally forget that I have them. Sometimes people, because I have a lot, I have like uh, all arms, all legs, <laughs> and people look at me very weird, and, and I don't know, you know, am I dirty or what is happening? <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, sometimes forget. It's uh, it's interesting. I had a tattoo artist on a, a few episodes ago. Oh, um, and uh, he has a tattoo parlor, but um, he also does uh, uh, sketching and, and watercolor and and oil painting as well. So, it's um, is this something that you ended up doing for a few years? As a for a few years, about two, maybe three, but very fast I. I realized that it's not something that I would like to do. It became very, not only stressful, you know, I'm, I'm super introverted, so working many hours, <laughs> you know, with the human flesh face to face was, <laughs> was pretty traumatic. I remember being stressed all the time. <laughs> and uh, it was a studio in the city center, like uh, more... Um, commercial, you know, for, for many tourists, I remember I was constantly making just letters, hearts, uh, flowers, you know, nothing very creative. And I quickly wanted to create some bigger projects, like my own ideas. I, I didn't know how to draw at that point very well, but I, I became very determined to, to learn. And... In that moment, I, I discovered painters, old masters. I don't know why, but from some reason, we, we haven't talked much about them in school, in primary school or high school. Like, art classes were, were not, like, very... It wasn't really art history as much as... Yes. We're going to paint today. Or... Exactly. <laughs> right. And I don't know, I, I fell in love. I remember when, uh, when I discovered... 
painters from 19th century especially, Bouguereau or Pre-Raphaelites, I had some very emotional impact. I remember, I, I've never seen something like that before. In Poland at that moment, the most popular was more modern art, uh, conceptual or expressionism. I didn't know much about this, uh, you know, more realistic approach, more about old masters. And this desire to, to learn, learn this, learn how to do that appeared in me. And slowly I was uh, leaving the, the tattoos behind and spending more and more time just diving into uh, autobiographies of those painters, I've been uh, looking for books, uh, how to draw everywhere. They were not very popular in Poland neither, and there was no social media. Well, there was a Facebook, but uh, I was not very big into computers, or I, I would rather go to, to libraries or or stores, more like searching for, for information there. Mm -hmm. And I became completely obsessed, just uh, wanting to learn. <laughs> That's uh, that's interesting. It's I never really thought about it. You know, I've done, you know, we're almost approaching seventy episodes, <laughs> and I never really thought about it. But you're right. Like through school, I don't remember us talking about artists at all. <laughs> Everything I learned, I think, was <laughs> after school. <laughs> yes, exactly. Me the same. Yeah. Just a reminder to the listener that uh, I will drop links to all the artists that you've mentioned. Um, okay. and everything else that we talk about in the show notes so that if people want to follow up and see what inspires Marta, uh, <laughs> I will link to all these artists and everything else in the in the show notes. But is there a point at which you decided that I'm not doing tattoos anymore, I'm going to draw and take this seriously? And, and you have some formal training that you've done in being a creative and being an artist. Do you want to talk about that transition? It's been very gradual. After high school, I, I've i never went to any university, any college. I really didn't know what I, what I want to do. Like, I've never found a subject I felt I would like to study for many years. I tried to attend a few uh, workshops uh, preparing for Fine Art Academy in Kraków. But I was so, so disappointed. <laughs> they don't teach, uh, you know, those kind of fundamentals I've been looking for. Everything was more conceptual, like teachers were asking to just draw what we feel, you know, like the more conceptual and the form the subjects are the more happy <laughs> they were and um, I knew it was not something I've been looking for I've been coming back to those uh, old masters and um, I couldn't uh, believe that uh, those kind of traditions don't exist anymore like I I knew must be somewhere someone who who could teach me <laughs> Who, um, and I don't remember how, but I discovered this uh, website called Art Renewal Center. Okay. And they are trying to do exactly that, uh, bring back those old traditions and a very figurative and realistic uh, centered. And there are a couple of uh, ateliers and academies where, where you can learn that. And it was like a huge revelation to me. I saw that there are a few in 
in Italy, um, in France, in, I think, England, and there was one in Canada. And I thought that is a place that I already know, well, I've been four times, and I have a family there, so it would be the the most, like, the, the safest place to try, if it's something that I would like. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, you know, I, I am very lucky because my mom is uh, so supportive. She's not uh, very artistic. She's uh, not artist herself, but she supported and believed in every crazy idea I had since always. And when I told her that, Mom, I want to go to Canada to to learn how to paint and draw in the manner of 19th century. And she said, OK. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So it was it was really amazing. I I also think that uh, for her was important that I I find ways how to how to deal with my you know struggles and inner demons in in that moment in Poland, you know uh, anorexia and bulimia were something uh, very strange like no one knew how to help how to approach it. I. Uh, I spent six months in one institution for uh, for uh, for those kind of teenagers with mental problems, and it was mm-hmm. absolutely traumatic experience. Like to this this day, I sometimes you know have nightmares, like, you know, uh, little moments. She just I think was desperate to um, to help me in any way she can. And maybe going out from country, just, you know, taking a distance, trying different things, that uh, was a good idea. (laughs) I think, I mean, it's powerful to hear that. I'm glad that your mom was there to help you find your why. Mm, Exactly. Um, (laughs) And uh, that's impressive. Did you then uh, move to Canada? Uh, Six months. I went there on a tourist visa. And where was the school? Like, what city was uh, it in? Toronto. So I went to, it was Academy of Realist Art. Okay. And there, for the famous first time, I was introduced to those classical approaches to, to drawing and painting. And so this was like a six-month intensive school that you were in? Yes. That's awesome. So it was like five days a week, lots of classes. Exactly. Yeah. It was great because we had um, a code to the doors that we could go at any moment we wanted. 6 a.m., 3 a.m. in the night, like you could spend uh, working on your projects all day if you want. You, there were people who were actually sleeping there, <laughs> literally, <Wow. laughs> you know, obsessed and so devoted. <laughs> That's what. What do you remember? Like, what's one one of your fondest memories from being in that kind of school in that kind of environment? It felt like like finding my place. I think like people who who understood me, who wanted uh, the same, who were very devoted and and passionate, and they had like amazing work ethic that really impressed me. You know, they were like from from other times. Like I always uh, consider myself that I don't belong to those times. You know, those modern times. I I feel like I have old soul, <laughs> and I found um, more of those kindred spirits there. I mean, you mentioned introverted earlier. I'm an introvert as well. I, mm. I 
I try not to act it like one, <laughs> or I try to, I should say I'm an introvert that acts like an extrovert sometimes, <laughs> but I can appreciate finding your team, mm. people that are similar to you and, and being able to ride a wave together, but they're, they're just far enough that you can lean over and reach them if you need to. But <laughs> most of the time they're, they're out of sight and you're yes. on your own still. Yes. Uh, there's a huge value in that. <laughs> it's, um. It's hard navigating life as, as an introvert because even my daughters have always been uh, introverted and teachers, even recently, five, six years ago, still identified that them being an introvert is somehow a problem, hmm. right? That it is something that needs to be addressed. So it, it is great that you found your team and your focus in Canada. <laughs> <laughs> Did you then go back to Poland after that? Did this? What was your transition then? Because you're not in Poland now, so I'm wondering how no. you got from from there into some of the work and some of the training you've done where you are now. You know, it's been both a wonderful time and and very hard time too because I've been constantly fighting with myself. I uh, I wanted to stay more in Canada. I even got an extension for another six years, wow. but my anorexia got. S- very very bad at this moment i lost a lot of weight it was a it was a stressful you know experience to new place new people and my english was not uh, super good and at this moment neither so i had to go go back to poland you know regenerate myself a little bit mm-hmm. it was happening like that on and off for for many years that i i would go to uh, I don't know to to workshop or to atelier or to academy. Try to do my best, study for a few months, and then unfortunately, um, because of the health problems, had to go back home, regenerate, and then try again and try again and try again. Like uh, well, I think that your perseverance is admirable because I I, I can't say that I understand anorexia or bulimia in a point that I can speak to it. Mm. But I can appreciate that, you know, having those demons, those struggles in your head is not mm-hmm. something you can just say, it's fixed now. Mm. Um, because it is, it does become part of your memory, right? It becomes something that maybe you lean on when times get tough, or especially if you're in a separate country or in a different continent. So um, I admire your perseverance. If, if you have to go back to Poland and regenerate a number of times, <laughs> and um, and and then you're able to go out and do this again. I think that's admirable that you've been able to do that. This 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 dream of of becoming an artist, I don't know, became such strong. It became my my obsession. <laughs> it was uh, really for many years the only thing that was uh, pushing me forward. I I really didn't know exactly what I would like to do what kind of artist I would like to be. I couldn't completely imagine it yet, but I knew that it will come. Uh, I knew that I need to build those fundamentals first. It became like a driving force. So you, at some point, it seems Spain has become a popular <laughs> destination for you uh, because you you went uh, to Spain for some training and you're, you're in Spain now? Yes, I live in Madrid. Okay. okay. So after after Canada, 
Well, the Academy of Raleigh's art was, was pretty expensive too, so it was one reason. <laughs> you know, I really... When, when I was uh, a very little child, my mom created some kind of... I don't know how is it called, not... not a, like a fund, I don't know that. Oh, like an like an education fund. Education fund, exactly. That she was paying every month a little bit there, and in twenty years, you know, it grew. And at some moment, we decided that you know uh, maybe we can find a little cheaper option because those kind of academies and ateliers really are. Oof. <laughs> <laughs> yes, very expensive. Yes. So um, through this website, uh, Art Renewal Center, I've been looking for uh, something closer to <laughs> to Poland and maybe and maybe cheaper. And I found a few ateliers in Spain and uh, decided to to try <laughs> go for it there. I've been two years in Barcelona in uh, Academy of Art Barcelona. And then I discovered Aranzazu Martinez. She's a absolutely wonderful painter from Madrid. Uh, when I saw her paintings, it, it reminded me of Bouguereau. And I had this same like emotional impact, you know, like when you see a piece of art and I don't know, you just want to cry. <laughs> mm-hmm. And for her, I decided to move to Madrid. <laughs> she has a, wow. a little uh, atelier here, very affordable, and I've been there since 2018. So you're still in this school at this point? I, I'm on and off, you know, because of the pandemic right. and because of... I think that uh, I start to feel that it's, uh, it's a time for me to maybe move on and go for myself <laughs> Uh, it's been many years, you know, since I started that journey. Mm-hmm. It feels like very extended and too long. Yes, it's true that I had many, many interruptions. I never could, uh, you know, like completely devote myself, I don't know, those three, four years to, to good training. And uh, because of, of the health problems, it was always like a few months, break, few months, break. And I think it's like that since seven eight years and i think that i'm a little tired (laughs) and i also feel like uh i got this and uh, i can walk on my own (laughs) right now that's awesome so uh, right now with atelier here in madrid i'm working sometimes with the model i started to paint i think i have two weeks more left and and for now i will stop and see what's the journey in front of me is next <laughs> i mean i've been watching your journey and it's so impressive and th- there was a piece that struck me recently where you posted an ear and an eye and a nose that you did yes first um, uh, exercises that we do we did in atelier madrid yes yeah that was and you said that you spent about 80 hours on each of them that's incredible <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't know if you ever saw uh, this little reel I po- posted on Instagram about sharpening pencils. Yes. You know, I draw with like super, super long and sharp points. So imagine, you know, just millimeter but millimeter going with those pencils and uh, you cannot smudge. Like the rule is no smudging. <laughs> it's always a 
a bit of a trade-off because I see so many people that, that draw with uh, tortillons, uh, the blenders, mm-hmm. and um, I try to avoid that myself. Mm-hmm. I've, I've been guilty of, of doing that. I shouldn't say guilty because it's not a negative thing, mm-hmm. but where you actually start to construct part of the piece with the blender tool because mm-hmm. there's, there's graphite left on it. But the thing that always frustrates me as I get deeper into it is when I go and try and work in that area, I've, I've flattened the tooth yes, on the paper. Yes, exactly. That is the, the risk. I've I, I seen many artists using, using those blenders very well, but I think it must be mindful, very specific, and not too much. Just in certain areas. Yeah, it's I, I'm blown away that you didn't use a blender with that. <laughs> you were able to do it because I've seen your pencils. There's a there's a, a a blog post you did with a photo of you, and you look like Wolverine with your <laughs> <laughs> with your pencils in your hand. You know, I've tried. I don't draw with wooden pencils. I tend to draw with mm. uh, mechanical pencils, mm. and um, but I have drawn with. I'm not going to say tips like you've done, but <laughs> that idea, and I think it's just wonderful. I mean, I've seen your, some of you, you, you know, your application of this stuff, and it's uh, it's mm-hmm. so uh, delicate the, the way that you do it. I've tried to use mechanical pencils too a couple of times, but I don't know. It's just um, there is something about those wooden pencils that just feels like extension of my own arm. You know, they are. Like so light, and I love the the smell of the wood. There is something like yeah. warm about that. <laughs> something like romantic. I don't know. <laughs> it's amazing to see your 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 face light up when you talk about all of this. <laughs> um, especially everything we've talked to up to this point. To see your face light up when you talk about pencils and your art, I think it's just wonderful. Yes, because you know the the past and the stories. Uh, it's it's a little hard to talk. I always feel very chaotic. I would love to tell it in 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 better, you know, more beautiful words and more in nice order. But uh, it's always a little hard. <laughs> it's the thing is, they're your words, no one else's, and you know, we're listening and we love hearing your words. So if it was anyone else's words, it wouldn't be the same story. So <laughs> I appreciate you doing this. How would you describe your art style? For those who haven't seen your work and maybe the first time they're hearing about you is listening to you on the mm-hmm. podcast right now, how would you describe your work? I would like to talk first a little bit about pros and cons of atelier style of education because I th- absolutely I wanted to go to to atelier not because I actually wanted to um, create those kind of very academic. Uh, works like only still lives or portraits i i wanted to get tools that would help me to create my own projects and uh, for a very long time i became uh, maybe i would say slave not sure but i i focused too much on this academic side just making exercise uh, training i i never allowed myself to to make my own uh, personal projects. I think that uh, atelier is, you know, from one point amazing because it teaches you to really uh, observe an object in front of you. Um, I think that it teach me to really see 
because look looking at something is is so different you know i just thought i knew how the eye looks like but after spending those 80 hours trying to draw it it's like <laughs> <laughs> you know so many things are happening there that you just don't see at the first glance so it teaches you like the language maybe of art also patience work ethic it's something that uh, is priceless for me at this moment but it also i find it very limiting limiting to you know is um, you just have to copy an object in front of you as accurately as you can there is no place for imagination right so in atelier we even don't draw uh, an environment around i don't know if you saw but we don't even draw a table the cast lays on it's like you know the objects floating in the air <laughs> <laughs> yes so uh in the moment that i i wanted to draw something for me i just didn't have any idea you how how to do it it costed me a lot like i felt my imagination is, is just broken i <laughs> it was a struggle so through, and I've heard this from other artists as well, and mm-hmm. whether it's an atelier or, or another art school where you end up creating your work for the instructor, mm-hmm, exactly. that is your audience. And it is, sometimes it is a struggle because it feels like your style is being pulled out of you mm-hmm. or pushed to the side or, or being buried away in part of your mind. How did you find yourself? How did you find your style again while still doing the atelier schools? You know, it's been only maybe two, three, three years when I started to make my own uh, projects. I needed to, to find my, what, I, what I would actually would like to say with those tools and skills that I've learned. I remember first one, actually. I remember it was a, a deer with uh, antlers, with the branches instead of antlers. <laughs> okay. Yes, I remember um, it was during the Christmas break. Uh, we went with my boyfriend. We went to Poland, and I couldn't um, I couldn't work in something uh, you know more elaborate there. So we would mm-hmm. we would sketch just in the in the coffee table <laughs> at the kitchen. Was the fact that you were in Poland did that bring you back to those? opportunities of hanging out with your family and cousins in the meadows and the forests was that was that feeding your imagination at that point you know um i must say that a lot is thanks to my my boyfriend daniel he was always uh encouraging me to to start creating my own things that uh, telling me that i cannot focus just on making exercises and and studies that at some moment uh, I need to figure out what I actually want to say. And that was exactly what I was trying to do, just uh, both in, in writing, in my journals and like sketching, like trying to to think what actually do I want to do? Like what kind of art really attracts me? Uh, what kind of stories do I want to tell? And those realms of, of forest, of, of animals, of folklore came immediately to me. And um, my first uh, project that I felt that I want to draw for myself, not for my teachers, were animals, were beards, especially. I have many, many beards from that time. 
later very fast those animals uh, became you know slightly magical with like little elements maybe flowers growing from their tails or or branches instead of antlers and i'm seeing like when you talk about your birds i'm you know i'm seeing birds with human faces and <laughs> human hands for feet yes. kind of kind of freaks me out a little bit but i i love it like it's it's you know daughter of the night sky is a really good example of that right yeah yes and since then i started to think more and more about this you know um for me a word magic i don't know always was something very important i'm a avid reader and audiobook listener and I always listen to stories especially fantasy stories uh, and I try to write myself too <laughs> That's awesome. no, nothing super great you know I, I feel it's uh, I have so many ideas uh, characters scenes realms that I want to develop but when there is a moment to try to make something more logical and organized is like it's a disaster <laughs> well i hope you're documenting these little tidbits somewhere of course because... oh, yes i hope that one day maybe maybe something will come of it yeah i i to be honest i do the same thing i have these little ideas um i'm gonna try and produce a book next year i, I love being able to take these little ideas whether the idea is a sketch because <laughs> i notice you do sketches in advance of your drawing so it was wonderful to see that post <laughs> Um, or if it's just a few words, or as you say, like a scene or a realm. Yes. Uh, I think it's important as artists that we document this because it'll appear and then it's gone. Like when I look at your Instagram feed, and we'll provide a, I'll provide a link to it so that everyone can take a look through it. And I look through your works. Um, mm -hmm. You know, the way that you render birds, for example, you talked about all the birds that you've done. It, it's it's not like anyone else I've seen. Like it's not. Really? <laughs> it does feel that there's movement and I'm looking at them now, it almost feels like they they have like a magical character to them. It's it's not that they they don't look realistic. It's that they looked they look more informed about what they are as a bird. Like mm -hmm. they know they're a bird. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I because I draw a lot of birds and I, I'm focused on realism, but when I look at the ones you've done, it's mm -hmm. um I I, I hope at some point that one of the pieces I will make will be influenced by your style because I really <laughs> love how you've rendered these birds. The the piece with, which one is it? The the, um, the one with the owl. The owl with the third eyed. The, the keeper. The yes. keeper. Oh, it's one of my favorite works from this year. <laughs> That's it's it's incredible, and I'll I'll link directly to it, and you can you know we'll talk about your shop, but you can buy a print of this um, <laughs> this piece as well, and it is uh, is absolutely beautiful. Can I? How much time did that one take? <laughs> so I spent really long time on each of my drawings, between six and eight weeks. Wow! At least, yes, I think that this one could take about six weeks. That's incredible. Is, and what was the original size? Uh, it's not big, really. It's uh, a little bigger than A4. 20, maybe 23 centimeters by 32. Okay. Something like that. Yes, yeah, so I'm rather a slow and methodi methodical artist. You know, I, uh, I love just immersing myself in all those details. I try to be faster, but I, I don't know. It just... <laughs> Not not there yet. Right. I mean, the pleasure 
is in the creating it's not in the finishing always right so the thing is that i try to be more realistic but it just somehow i always end up more stylized you know i have this like my own way to draw feathers that just stuck with me and i i just seem not able to change it in, in atelier for example i always felt that i never can catch completely my my peers like other students you know i i can't do that realistic how I, how they does it's like i i always have this tendency to stylize a bit and you know to make it a little more fantastical or magical and just slightly but it's always always there <laughs> in the in the portraits in the hair in the textures it's amazing i think that if you ever put out a book <laughs> that had your birds in it and you called it something like you know the the magic birds of poland or something <laughs> like that i would absolutely believe that they exist <laughs> you know like a bird guide but uh, like a magic realm I love birds. They they always make me smile. I actually started one little right now because oof, this the last two months are so were so uh, stressful and intense, and I felt like I need a break. And the first thing to draw in those moments is is a bird. <laughs> so your pieces are they're fairly large. Is the maybe we can start moving into kind of the like. As, as another pencil artist, I'm curious about the paper. And, okay. You know, we talked about the pencils <laughs> a little bit, but um, what's your preferred paper for your pieces? And and then I'll have other questions, but let's start with that. Like, you know, we talked about wooden pencils. I'm going to go back to that as well. But for the paper, mm -hmm. is it a smooth paper? Like, what is your preferred drawing paper at this point? Yes, uh, definitely the smoother side. <laughs> I've been uh, trying many papers on the way I feel like you know it's like a never-ending journey to find this perfect one <laughs> yes I think I'm close though you know uh, I've been through many Bristols you know uh, Canson, Fabriano mm -hmm. uh, there are other kinds um, here in Spain called Caballo or um, some other kind, but the one that I stuck with right now is uh, Strathmore. You pronounce yes, that's Strathmore it. Mm -hmm. 400 series Bristol. <laughs> okay, it's like not completely, completely smooth, like it's not uh, satinated, like uh, you know, sometimes the pencil just slides off. It has like a little texture that is uh, not too much, not too little, it's just enough. I feel like it's very velvety and helps me to to create this kind of uh, atmosphere that i like this softness yeah i hope i have some i feel like as an artist we're also art supply collectors oh yes like i'm like <laughs> right now panicking a little bit because you know uh, it's very hard to to find strathmore Bli bristol here in spain oh no and yes i i just uh, saw that mine is finishing and i wanted to buy and it's the last one in stock in Amazon, so I <laughs> I need to do it very fast. <laughs> yeah, it's there is a. I mean, people talk about the supply chains in the world being impacted by COVID, mm -hmm. and it is hitting us in really weird areas that we wouldn't expect. Like you go into a store, and there are sections where things aren't plentiful, mm -hmm. and. I was hoping that art supplies would be protected, but I went and looked for pencils yesterday and the half the pencils weren't in stock in this, oh, no. in this art store. 
<laughs> it was like, oh, oh my, I'm going to have to make sure I've got all my stock. But <laughs> I have I have too many pencils here, so I think I'm okay. <laughs> so you use a Strathmore, and you talked about wooden pencils. Do you use a variety of hardness, or do you use one? Like, do you use like a 2B, or do you use a mix of like 2B, 4B? Uh, I use couple. The softest I go is maybe 3B but very little in like the darkest parts mostly in shadows uh, it's 2B and I really like F you know F is like this one neither soft neither hard I really like to work with it That's I've never heard anyone work with F before I'm going Yes <laughs> recommend it <laughs> Okay uh, I don't use many hard ones really I think that F Maybe sometimes H, but I, I can achieve what I need with F. So it would be F, Interesting. B, and 2B. Those are my, my three favorite ones. <laughs> awesome. And do you do a lot of drawing with like either a kneadable eraser or blue tack or like one of those mono erasers? Do you do that or do you? is it mostly that you're painting around those areas or not painting mm, drawing painting around. with a pencil but <laughs> are you drawing around those white areas or do you lift a lot of graphite off as well mm, most, mostly it's a drawing around but i use uh, this mono tumbo zero eraser yes i like to sharpen it and even sand it <laughs> you know when i maybe want to pick up just uh, a hairs or or little feathers but mostly for details i i don't over abuse uh, erasing right and i'm curious about your approach like if i'm looking at something the keeper mm -hmm. um, which once again i'll link to which has the owl kind of embracing yeah a girl that when you start a piece, do you mm -hmm. try and set your values? Like, do you do you focus on an area first, thinking I've got to establish something here? Like, is there an area of your drawings that, like, do you start with the eye? Do you start with, like, is there an approach that you have that's consistent from one piece to the next piece? I I love to start with the face, with the eyes. You know, the the most important focal points. What I should should do, and I don't. <laughs> is uh, make uh, some value studies before. It's something that I <laughs> is always on my list that I should because I tend to figure out all the value range as I go. I never know if when I start, if the hair will be darker than the feathers or maybe, you know, I don't know. I just make those decisions as I go, like what feels right in that moment. Yeah, I think when I look at the keeper mm -hmm. and I look at the left side of the face compared to the right, the mm -hmm. one that's in shadow. Mm -hmm. I think you've done a, like, it just blows my mind how well you've done that because the white parts of the face of the owl are almost the same right to left. So you haven't really hit the value too much, which is what a, a, a white feather would do, mm -hmm. right? But when it comes to the gray part, the part that sits on the side of the head, it is much darker on the right versus the left. And I think you're and, and the way that you've addressed kind of the right side of the face where there's a bit more shadow there, I think is the subtlety in that is just incredible. Like that is a great example of of using the values to help balance what we understand to be the area that's in the sun or in the brightness or that's lit. And that's the, that part that's not lit. And I think that's incredible. I always try to think about uh, 
a volume, how, how um, a subject shape would behave under the light. I think that that's why um, my, my process is, is so slow, because I solve most of the problems uh, on the paper as I go, you know, like thinking constantly how the light would behave on the head of the owl, like how it would disappear in the feathers. And it's something that I am just inventing, imagining. It's like I I know that maybe if I would do a little more pre-production, you know, if I learned those, uh, I don't know, like the softwares that, that help you to see, my works would be more realistic. But I don't know, it's like there is some kind of a pleasure for me to to inventing in the way. <laughs> Do you use references for some of the animals? Like just so you get them fairly close? Yeah. Because I, I have I have this question a lot when I do my work. People are like, are you basing this off a photo or mm. multiple photos or is it just from your head? And I always struggle because I feel like people are I'm not gonna say devaluing, but it's I feel like people are trying to highlight like you're just copying a photo and that's not what you're doing. I I feel that if you're rendering animals, you need to look at reference photos because I haven't drawn like many foxes. Of course. <laughs> so, so can you talk to that? Do you use a lot of reference photos? Of course, I use a lot of reference, <laughs> but I like to combine them. I have a Pinterest boards for, I think, everything. <laughs> and that's a great tool to kind of bring multiple references together. I know a lot of artists use uh, use Pinterest. Yes, I never copy exactly the reference, but I I take different elements from different, different places. And um, when I don't know how to draw something, um, I just go to my, I don't know, feathers collection, hair collection and and check how I could do it. The the combining part is is sometimes difficult because I don't want that the image uh, looks like Frankenstein. Right. And I am not very good at uh, <laughs> at the Photoshop. I wish it's like something I'm I'm trying to learn <laughs> at this moment. But many many uh, elements in my drawings are are invented too. I think it's a combination of of reference of imagination and just. Uh, trying to make that it all feels right you know it's sometimes hard to explain because it's a it's a lot about feeling it's like with composition maybe you know exists some kind of rules but if it feels good is is good <laughs> yeah i think it's um like the way you've combined a lot of this stuff under a veil of the night mm. uh, we talked about you know the daughters of the night sky mm. it doesn't look like it it, it is so like I say, it, it looks real, right? Mm. This imaginative realism that you're able to do is is impressive, and it, you know, for me, it would look like Frankenstein. I, oh. I, <laughs> <laughs> and even, you know, distractions. This piece, distractions, is interesting because it started purely as a exercise. You know, sometimes when I'm scrolling through <laughs> through Pinterest, maybe I stumble upon uh, a photograph that I I really like. You know, some gesture, a portrait, a hand, and very often a piece can start from there. Uh, I just loved the the face of this girl, mm -hmm. and I just wanted to. It was one of the first portraits that I ever drawn. Really, is a. I just wanted to see if I can because I had those skills from ateliers. You know, drawing a cast or 
yes, mostly cast the, the first year. And I knew that I I have skills, but can I use them to to draw a portrait? And it was just a, a challenge for me. And from that phase, you know, started emerging other things. Like I draw her uh, this collar of pearls. I invented her hair. Then, you know, the space around felt so empty. So I, I was just thinking like what I can add, like what kind of story I could tell. It's like I love telling the stories with, the, with my drawings. And it just started emerging, you know, many, many artworks of, of mine are like that. I start with an element and it just grows. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a, it's a wonderful piece. And, uh, you know, it's a woman who's, who's turned kind of facing the viewer. And there are three um, origami um, geese or swans mm -hmm. being suspended. And um, there's a bird sitting on her shoulder as well. And there's feathers in her hair just for the person who can't see it. And uh, what I really love about the bird too is you've got, the bird really pops out of the image. Like you've done a fantastic job. And I'm not I'm not an expert here, but <laughs> I love how it pops because you've got the, a tremendous amount of detail with that focal length at, at the bird. And the collar, the, the pearled collar of the woman right behind it has just a little bit of a blur to it that the bird really pops out. I just, <laughs> that's wonderful. Well, thank you so much. You're really too kind. <laughs> And I, I'm curious when you're doing these pieces, mm -hmm. are there parts of either the drawing overall or are there elements like the lips or the eyes or that you really enjoy doing? And there are parts that you know have to be there, but you're not a huge fan of doing it for whatever reason. Hmm, that's the interesting question. No, to, to be honest, I enjoy every every single part of it is just a, a different kind of journey is there a part that you enjoy doing more like do you in the sense that it stirs something in you like drawing an eye like for me i love drawing mm -hmm. eyes because if i get the eyes down i feel yes. like then the drawing talks to me <laughs> yes. like i i know i'm doing okay drawing your eyes versus drawing the hands mm -hmm. like your hands are very expressive as well you remind me of uh, miriam tilson who i've had <laughs> on the podcast they have this form to them that that shows that they're dynamic so do you do you look forward to the eyes for example versus doing the hands eyes yes eyes um it's a little bit stressful too you know because it's a it's a first usually a first uh, element i draw so i really want to get them right <laughs> but yes i i enjoy drawing them very much and i draw much more of them in comparison to hands for example hands are challenging so um, I treat them you know uh, actually a funny thing about hands uh, this year at the beginning of this year I decided that uh, in every piece of artwork I will create this year I must put at least one hand <laughs> because it was my I felt like it was my weaker point I never drew mm -hmm hands before really never ever and i i love hands i love how expressive they can be in the artworks that i admire i really enjoy um, looking at hands and i always see them in my works too but it felt very uncomfortable and out of my comfort zone so uh, since then i i, I drew more more this year 
Yeah, hands are hard. Yes. <laughs> I haven't spent a whole lot of time on hands and I get frustrated with it. I'm okay with eyes, I think, mm-hmm. um, but not to the level that you are. <laughs> but it's, uh, I, I'm wondering, you know, in all the pieces you've done, have you ever walked away from a piece? Have you started something, put, you know, a few hours into it and it's like, I just, I can't do this one right now. Never. Awesome. Never, <laughs> ever. I, I don't know why is that, but it's like... It would chase me, you know, it would chase me if I, I didn't finish. Even if it would be a quote-unquote failure, it's like I would learn something and I would feel I, at least I tried, you know, and then with a piece I could walk away and, and start another one. Um, I always work one on one piece at a time, I, I tried to make uh, maybe different projects at the same time, but I was not able to, to do it. I don't know. It's, uh, there is something in me that I just need to focus on, on one project, you know, really be there, focus there, like give my all attention. It's interesting you were, you use the word chase, that it would chase you. <laughs> oh, yes. Um, do, you feel, do you feel your pieces have life? Do you feel that they're alive, that they need your attention? You know, um, I've been thinking about it the other day. What I love so much about being an artist is that I think constantly about it. It's when I, when I uh, am in the autobus or, uh, I don't know, even cooking, w- waiting for something. It's, uh, I think, uh, about the next project or, or the current project in, if I'm working on something. Like, how would I solve this how i would draw this like you know um, all the time i think it's amazing <laughs> i i would agree uh it's so funny i feel a bit embarrassed sometimes because i'll be sitting somewhere and there'll be a plant beside me and i look at the <laughs> leaves and i'm thinking how would i render that it's it's like you're always trying to solve puzzles yes, in your head exactly yeah. Yeah. it's beautiful really life for me and uh I must say that I am so, so happy because uh, I've been talking before about those problems of eating disorders and mm-hmm. since maybe three three years, I could say that I am completely free from that and and really my head is uh, full right now of, of amazing things, of, of stories, of solving, you know, more of the artistic problems than the problems of inner demons. <laughs> That were like consuming everything. That brings me so much joy to hear that, because mm-hmm. um, I, I know the struggles we face can really bring us down and distract us. And to hear someone who has success with that and takes so much, so much life and, and joy, and really, it's um, it's amazing what your own mind can can do <laughs> to you. You know, it can either completely make you or or break you. <laughs> Well, and I think, you know, through our conversation, mm-hmm. this is not something, I mean, whatever issues you may have, demons you may, may have in your head, uh, if you're listening as an artist mm-hmm. or as a creative, the journey is not short and mm-hmm. there is no quick fix necessarily. And the fact that you've persevered through all of this, I think it would be a, um, something creatives need to hear is that you just need, and I think you... I'm not sure if we were recording at the time, but you just need to keep doing the next thing. You had talked about that idea as just showing up every day. Yes. Do your best. Yes. It's not about being perfect. It's about just little steps every day. That's awesome. (laughs) 
Have you ever played with charcoal? Yes, I've been forced to. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess that experience went well. Then. <laughs> it was in Barcelona Academy. You know, I, I found that each um, atelier academy has their own preferred uh, tools for first-year students. In Canada, it was uh, this Conte charcoal. I don't know if it's charcoal. Yes. It's like compressed uh, charcoal, I think. It's like pencil. Mm-hmm. I, I never, you know, in Poland, it was not even possible to find something like that. <laughs> so it was the first time. And then in Barcelona, it was a, a charcoal, nitram charcoal. And I hated it. <laughs> I really hated it. You know, um, and we had to work on this very textured uh, watercolor paper, you know, that when you touch, it's like scratches. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So it was also, I must admit, uh, one of the reasons that uh, I didn't want to continue there. And <laughs> I was looking for other places. <laughs> Very, I'm very sorry. I, I love the effect, you know, it's like this uh, dark against white because we were using, we were working on toned paper. So you use both like the the biggest range of value, like super dark and the white and it looks beautiful. But the process was, was just not for me. I admire charcoal artists, but uh, I just couldn't do it. I think that we all need to find the tool that just feels uh, good and right because, you know, creating art is a lot about process. It's all about the process. What I really admire about your work is it's all pencil. <laughs> like I feel so many artists look at pencil as a as a, a sketching point on the way to oil mm. or on the way to watercolor. Yeah. Uh, more so on on the way to oil, and I love that your process starts with pencil and it ends with pencil, <laughs> um, because I love pencils. <laughs> so, as part of your training, are you you're working with other at the atelier that you've been at? Uh, are you working with oils and and other materials as well? Uh, in Madrid, uh, we start with with pencils, and then we transition to oils. Yes, first uh, black and white, and slowly adding more color. So do you have the same feelings about oils as you do for charcoal? Or are you (laughs) happier with oils? I'm much happier with oils. (laughs) (laughs) You know, um, when I started this journey, really, my goal was to learn oils. I never expected to to fall in love so much and stay for so long with with pencil. It's something that just happened. That's a nice... As Bob Ross would say, that's a happy accident right? <laughs> able yes. to find your pencils. And um, I haven't painted much. I'm at the black and white stage right now. I enjoy it. I would like to learn more. Uh, it's not uh, very comfortable yet. I don't feel like I, I control it. It's a very still uh, frustrating and uh, unpredictable, but... There is something magical in oils too, and I feel like I would like to to learn more and see if uh, if I could create, if I could add more color to my works. I'm like open for exploration. Have you ever explored digital work? 
like drawing with an iPad or no okay I I I don't know you know I have this uh, huge huge resistance to to digital media I, I'm <laughs> such a old school old soul I I try really hard to learn a basic navigation of Photoshop right now because uh, mm -hmm. I feel it's necessary you know it's a for my website, for my store, and or editing prints, I really try to do my best. But somehow, uh, you know, my boyfriend is a designer. He he's his professional profession. Uh, he works constantly with Photoshop, Illustrator, and he's trying to teach me. And I feel like I. My mind is just resisting, you know, this knowledge. <laughs> it's like bouncing off. It's like nope. Thank you. <laughs> Let's go back to, to, you know, traditional ways. <laughs> right. I think there's something about a creative brain that sometimes is, it, it takes so many tries at something yes. for us to, to accept it. I, I had the same thing happen with uh, trying to learn watercolor. Yes. Um, and you talk about a demon. I feel like that's a demon on paper <laughs> trying to chase down watercolor, but I think I've, I think I've embraced it now. So I think I'm a little bit better than I was. I haven't tried oils, so I'm going to have to try oils at some point. Are are very interesting. You know, um, in Atelier, we are learning, I feel like it's the most difficult oil technique that can be. We paint like alla prima, but not in mm -hmm. uh, expressive alla prima, like impress impressionistic. It's like you finish aria as you go, like as perfect as you can, and you don't go back again to that place. We don't do glazing. We don't do nothing. It's uh, it is what it is. <laughs> so it's a, it's like scary, you know. I work the same way with pencil. I finish area as I go, usually from, you know, either from center expanding or or from left to right. But with pencil, you always can come back. You can you know add a little darker here. Take take with. Um, eraser but with oil is uh, so difficult to make the same because when you render and blend a little bit when you would like to go back again to the same place it just looked like a dirty spot you need to hit exactly the same value the same color of that of that place and it's a it's a challenge <laughs> that would be interesting i'd have to try that at some point, I think that feels... <laughs> I mean, I've, I've drawn with ink before, which without a sketch. Mm -hmm. So just drawing straight with ink, which is a bit of a scary process because <laughs> there's no ink eraser out there. So <laughs> ink, it's the paper. That's what you're making. I, I've got to try oils. I've had so many oil painters on and I, I'm envious of that. And I just haven't <laughs> been brave enough to take it on. So I, I wanted to ask you, this may seem like an odd question. Mm -hmm. I find that... I can draw, I'm more comfortable, I shouldn't say I can draw, I can draw an animal facing left or an animal facing right. Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm more comfortable with an animal facing left. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering, is is that a real thing? Have you ever had that? Do they seem the both to oh you? Oh my God, I'm so happy you said that because I thought I am the weird one. <laughs> <laughs> no, I have exactly the same. There is something about it, you know, it's a... With with the portraits, I think uh, is uh, always facing uh, most of the time facing left, and I for I notice that at some moment that all my portraits are from that angle, so I force myself to 
to try to draw from other angle and it's like i don't know something uncomfortable uh, about that <laughs> i i've taken reference photos and i've Flip, flip them, them. yes. <laughs> so, so, so that I'm drawing them the right way. I, I, the same. Yeah, I. Uh, that's good. I'm so glad to hear that because I thought I was crazy and then I <laughs> thought I was being a bit weird because I kept doing that. And it's one of those things that I, once again, I, I worry that people will see the pattern and it's like, I've got to break it. Yes. So I've tried the other way around. <laughs> and it, it turns out, but it doesn't feel right when I start. Yes, there is something something strange. I wonder why. I don't know, maybe it's because we are like more accustomed to see a certain subject from from that angle. And it's like, uh, you know, it's like uh, drawing something upside down just feels uh, wrong. We are not uh, accustomed to see. I, I don't know. So I want to talk a little bit about, we talked about your artwork and your tools and techniques. And once again, I encourage everyone to check out your Instagram and and what I really want to focus on now is is the blog post that you've done. Mm -hmm. And you just finished a part one and part two on self-doubt. Mm -hmm. And so I want to talk about that a little bit. But I want to first go back to this, your creative why. Mm -hmm. Because I, we hear a lot about this now is rediscovering your why. So Marta, I want to ask you, <laughs> why do you do what you do? Why do you draw? I feel like my my why have been changing over the years. You know, at the beginning of the journey, it was different than it is right now. At the beginning, I, I turned to art during those darkest moments of, of my life. And it, uh, uh, it was my safe, safe harbor. It was uh, something um, making me want to wake up every day and, and, and push through difficulties. I just became obsessed about growing and learning. It was my dream. But right now it's changed. I, I still feel that uh, art is making me a better person. It it's constantly challenges me, helps me to grow. You mentioned at the beginning about the video, that my first video that I made, and it's exactly the, the reason, because I feel that it's so out of my comfort zone, you know, talking, showing myself, trying to express my thoughts. And uh, every year I try to think about those things that come so difficult, like are my weaknesses. Are, uh, and I, I try to choose a couple of them and, and face those fears and making a video or making podcast was was one of those. But the main, main, coming back to my why, I think that um, the first world that, that comes to to mind is, is magic. Always, you know, art and magic were like synonyms for me. You know, creating something from nothing, you know, giving life to, to those characters that you have in your head is, it sounds pretty much like magic to me. I, I see so many unhappy people around, you know, people who have jobs that really they they don't want, they, they are not passionate about them, but they feel that they must. You know, the I feel like people don't allow themselves to to dream and wonder and follow the things that they really would like to do. And uh, my my hope is to spread a little bit of that magic 
you know, around, make people dream, make people wonder, like give them a place where they could go to, you know, to, 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 to make that, to rest, to dream, to... I think that by, by my artistic path, I would like to show that uh, it's possible. It's possible to go a little bit against of the, you know, common crowd and be creative, be, be playful, you know, follow your dreams and, and make a good, fulfilling life out of this. It's like my... That's why I also made my blog. That's why I... I share many things on my social media. I try to show people this kind of uh, more more creative, more more magical side of life. I think what's really compelling about your story as an artist is, you know, there are stories in, in your work. I can see the stories there. Mm. I can see the magic. I think what's really interesting is that you are cultivating the artist in you in everything else that you do as well. Mm -hmm. So the self-examination that we're all forced through, whether we write a newsletter mm -hmm. or we write a blog post or we write in our journal, helps to uncover who we are to mm -hmm. ourselves. And some of that can be hard to read. Uh, it may be hard to write. Mm -hmm. But the fact that you're going through that, I think, is 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 compelling. So it's the, the story of, of Marta in, in the work that you're doing is is so complete that mm -hmm. I think um, it, it leads to, I think, a better pre appreciation of the work that you're doing. So um, I, th I think your why is, is complete. It's powerful. Mm -hmm. And I think the fact that you spoke about it is something that we can all just spend some time thinking about. And I think when you go into the last two blog posts where you talk about self-doubt, mm -hmm. that's really hard. Like you may be on top of your game and mm -hmm. you, you have a piece in front of you and mm -hmm. it's going really well yeah. and then you see someone else's post on instagram or something else happens in your day and <laughs> it's like or as i went through in in grade school a girl shows up in class that can draw horses better than me and all of a sudden it's like i'm nothing what am i doing who am i kidding <laughs> and i think that your words through those two posts are incredible is there like are do you still run into self-doubt on a on a regular basis constantly <laughs> it's um you know i i like to talk about those uh, topics on my blog because in my case for example i feel like those inner demon struggles were like the biggest obstacle on my journey not necessarily the the lack of skills but rather this belief that i can't I, I can't do this, I'm not good enough. This inner critic was paralyzing for me and I, I've never found many places and sources where uh, others talk about that. You can find so many, you know, tutorials or how to draw this and that and but not how to deal with this inner critic who don't let you to draw, actually. Right. So uh, right now I feel uh, those inner critics in me are weaker. Like I find faster ways how to tame them, how to deal with them. But it's been a really long journey and uh, a practice. I feel like this this way that we talk to ourselves is, uh, 
is something that you can practice and make more mindfully. I think, you know, when you, in those posts, you call self-doubt the most, um, the monster that reoccurs the most for you, right? Yes. I immediately connected with that. And you wrote a poem hmm. in one of the posts as well. And you end with just be here, just be now. And I, I don't think that's, there's anything that's that's more true than that. Hmm. It is being in the moment, right? And appreciating that we all have the ability to do better. But what we're doing right now is important. Hmm. I often write poems, <laughs> poems or, or little stories for the for the drawings or works I, I make. Oh, really? Yes. I Sometimes, you know, when I draw, I like the words just come to me and it uh, feels like both complement each other. <laughs> I would absolutely buy a book of your poems if it was illustrated by you. This is actually my, my ultimate goal and dream, <laughs> to oh, really? write my own stories and illustrate them. It's... Uh, Yes, I think that that would be ultimate. <laughs> that's what I'm going to try to do this year. So that's, <laughs> we'll see how it goes. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, I think one of my, my main theme for next year is going to be storytelling, because I think we have to be more mindful of storytelling, whether it's a blog post, whether it's a piece of work that we're drawing or painting, whether it's a newsletter, or whether it's just a, a social media post, that storytelling is, it's compelling, it's it's what we connect to the most, the stories that we tell. Yes, I completely agree. I am on the same mission, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm hopeful that we can have an opportunity to connect back again in the future and see how our <laughs> missions are going. Because... Yes. I think that you are much closer. I, I, I don't know so much about you, but I know that you are writing too, right? Yes. I'm not, I don't know if I feel closer but i feel like i'm on i i'm on a good path right now Mm -hmm. i fully expect there to be really troublesome distracting things coming up but i feel like i'm more ready for them than i've been in the past but who knows what's to come and you are a self-taught writer or you yeah self-taught writer self-taught artist so (laughs) (laughs) my day job which is programming and my my passion, which is art, are both things that I've taught myself. Mm. So I think being self-taught is powerful. Yeah. Um, but I'm also, I mean, you've done a lot of that yourself, but you're also going into an atelier. So the earlier conversation we had about that experience was was good to hear because I've had so many artists on mm-hmm. who are self-taught, and mm-hmm. I've had some who have gone through the, the schooling process. And that was really interesting to hear. Mm-hmm. But you know, I am... Exploring many different sources is like for me atelier um, is just one side. I'm I'm watching many many tutorials and, and YouTube videos and uh, always just try to take what I feel I need in the moment and try to construct my own curriculum. Is there something that you're looking forward to in 2022? Maybe in the next three months or in the next year? Is there? Do you have any thoughts about something that's uh, that you want to share? Maybe a project that you want to work on? Maybe something you want to try beyond illustrating and writing your own book? I've been invited by a gallery to make a feature show. So I have to prepare between six and ten artworks for that show. Wow. And I think that it will be my main, main goal and challenge of next year that I will will consume most of my time 
will be a big project and I want to make something something special like you know thematic or maybe maybe develop some you know story around it I still I'm still not sure yet but and where will this be uh, next year November opening okay and is it is it in Spain or is it somewhere else in the world in Portland oh really yes <laughs> <laughs> I'm super super nervous about it you know I still can't believe it I feel like such an imposter <laughs> <laughs> But I try to take it with calm and just tell my own story, you know, like every time a self-doubt appears, because <laughs> appears often, I, I just try to tell to myself that those people invited me based on my own drawings because they like it what I do, what Marta do, does. Mm -hmm. And that kind of calmed me a little bit. <laughs> I will just try to show up every day and do my best, and that's it. <laughs> that's awesome. I'm sure that's going to go really well, and uh, it's going to be cool kind of between now and next November seeing <laughs> at least tidbits of this, depending on how much you post. But uh, And I hope that you keep writing through this, because I think to hear your words through this journey, mm -hmm. uh, this next big thing for you, is going to be helpful for us. Yes. So I, whether you share it with us or not, I hope that you keep writing through it. No, definitely. Um, I'm I'm still not sure where my blog will go. You know, it's it was a experiment of this year. I just uh, knew I love writing. I knew I write every day for myself. So why not just share with people and see what kind of subject I can explore and. Uh, Let's see how, how next year will go <laughs> in terms of this too. So I'm curious with the impact of your of your mother on your life mm -hmm. and your boyfriend and a few others. Is there some advice you've received that you still keep going back to from, from anyone that you found valuable in your kind of creative artistic endeavors? Is there some really good advice that you keep thinking of? Yeah. Fail fail and fail a lot because failing means that you tried not failing is like not trying you know uh, this is something that my my boyfriend daniel always uh, teach me and tell me that making mistakes and failing is good you we don't have to be uh, afraid of them if you don't make mistakes you you don't learn you don't grow so it's uh, it's such a shift for me from how I was thinking in the past. I've been so afraid to, to fail, to make mistakes. I've been so harsh on myself. And right now, mistakes are becoming my friends, you know? It's like they become lessons. Even now, before this interview, I've been talking with Daniel and... He said, if you fail, so what, you know, and at least you tried, you step out of your comfort zone. And that's the most important. If this time will not work, we'll work a next one. I mean, it's, it's a really good point. I think that, uh, I don't know if it was Mark Twain, somebody said something like, you know, the, uh, what is it, some of my biggest failures I haven't actually done yet or something like that you know mm. we have those failures in our head yes when we when we take on a new project it's part of what i miss most about being a kid mm. is that when you're a child you don't evaluate things yeah. you just do it exactly. right? you just 
you just try it you until you break from, something from bicycle you pick it up and you keep going right <laughs> you don't think well I, i can't ride my bike today because i don't want to fall and scratch my knee because i have to wear a I have to wear something tomorrow that's going to expose my knees yes. and I don't want to have scratches on them. You don't. <laughs> it's that process isn't extended. It's like, I'm going to try the thing. And if I fall, maybe I'll do something else or maybe I'll <laughs> do it again. And I think it's, it is having that, that childlike, you know, living in the moment, mm -hmm. just, just trying it. And I think part of it is not just, you know, expecting that we will fail and then we'll have to try it again but also being comfortable with success. I mean, to the point of <laughs> doing your own show in, in, yes, in Portland. Yes, that is true. You know, the fear of success is so real. <laughs> yes. I, I've, I've, I've learned that this year for the first time. <laughs> so it's new. It's new fear to the collection. <laughs> I think even when I started my shop this year, mm. it was like, well, what if I sell a lot of things? Exactly. Like <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's like this kind of new pressure appears i've got invited by a few galleries this year for the very first time and uh, you know joy and excitement very fast turned into anxiety <laughs> because now i have to create not just for myself i have to create for someone like everybody will see what if i will not make it on time what if i will you know don't meet those expectations that you know they they put on me and what if I will not know how to pack and ship the things to, to US? <laughs> so it's like the, the mind spins, it's like vicious circle, everything can go wrong. <laughs> I'm impressed. I'm sure that your show is going to be wonderful in November. And, well, uh, now I said it, is is there is public, I cannot back out. <laughs> <laughs> right. I'm well, sure you can cut it off. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm keeping it in. Oh. <laughs> I want to keep it keep you accountable, and uh, um, I'm I'm sure it's going to be brilliant. <laughs> That thought scares me. I don't think I ever want to do a show. <laughs> I think I'm fine. <laughs> yeah, I never knew. Neither is like something again. Something that just happened. I never wanted to be or never knew that I could be a gallery artist you know uh, just invitation came and like with the podcast I said yes and I panicked later <laughs> <laughs> well I, and we had a bit of an exchange back and forth and I yes. knew that you were nervous about it and um, <laughs> you know I feel that and and maybe this is just me expecting this out of the podcast but I feel like there's tremendous value in me hearing your words, mm -hmm. in the listener hearing your words, but I would hope there's also value in you talking about your work and talking about yourself that when you finish this podcast, you're going to be like, okay, I did it, but I don't know what it sounds like. But then when you hear it, I think you're going to find that I, I'm hopeful that it brings value to you, I at least in the short term. I am not going to listen to it. <laughs> Never. <laughs> well, maybe in next year. No. <laughs> <laughs> I will give it, you know, I will share it with, with some loved ones and they can tell me if that was okay. Or <laughs> <laughs> it will be great. Um, you know, I, I have wonderful listeners. They're very engaged <laughs> in, in all my guests. Mm -hmm. And uh, I know people will love you in, 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 in being able to hear your words and, and read your words and see your work. So it's going to be good. <laughs> so I wanted to... Um, get to this point where I always ask for a little bit of homework, mm -hmm. a little bit of engagement. 
because I love that we have this conversation mm-hmm. and I'm, I want the guest to be able to walk away and do something and <laughs> feel that they can either think about something you want them to think about or do something you want them to to work with as a matter of their hands. So what would you share as a matter of homework for the listener in trying to uh, take something away from the show? So I was thinking that it would be nice to follow up with our conversation and things that we were talking about and focus more on the inside, you know, your inner artist, not uh, not so much outside, like drawing, painting, exercise. I would, I would ask listeners to to find a, a peaceful moment just for themselves and ask themselves this question: What is your creative why? Why do you cre- create? Why did you go to art in the first place? Because I find that um, in the long term, especially if you would like to do it more professionally, it's uh, the most powerful question, like the certainty inside of you that you can have. I go back to this every time when I, I really struggle, when I start to question everything, when the things just go hard. I go back to my, my why. And it's uh, the most powerful weapon that I find against those inner demons and struggles. So I think that it would be really interesting and powerful for listeners to to find um, for themselves. That's good. Uh, I think that's a really good exercise. And we talked earlier about, you know, this is a really special time of year. Mm. It's, It's hard because we reflect on the year and we look... We probably, at times, we give prominence to the failures we've had and not the successes. Mm. And I think reflecting on what we've done and why we did it and why we continue to do it and then trying to be positive into next year, into 2022, it's a challenge this time of year. Mm. And the holidays, all the pressure around the holidays. It is. (laughs) But I think that exercise about the why is really good. That's Mm. important. That's fantastic. I love that. Yes, I'm I'm very much into those internal questions. You know, I love journaling. I love being uh, like a Sherlock Holmes of my own mind. <laughs> I love <laughs> ask, asking questions, looking for answers. It's, uh, it helps me so much with everything I do. And I, I always encourage people to, to connect more with themselves like that, either in writing or even taking a walk in the nature and... Ref- reflecting a little bit every every year at that moment at this time of year I reevaluate my my like if I am still on the right path because in this busyness you know of life of intensity and things we have to do sometimes we we forget ourselves and we you know maybe take a wrong turn along the way when don't realizing it and I think it's a go- good moment to to go back, reevaluate, and ask yourself is is I am still going in the right direction? Right. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes we we need to get off the bus or the train that we're on in life, and at the next stop, and yes. just make sure that <laughs> should I continue on this route or should I take a different <laughs> route altogether? And we don't do that. Mm-hmm. I wanted to 
allow people to find you online. And I'm wondering, where can people find you easiest? Where are you most active at this point? Is it Instagram? Yes, in terms of social media, the most active I'm on Instagram. I try to share regularly stories, you know, the moments of of my uh, artistic path. Post at least maybe once a, a week too. Uh, I also have Twitter and Facebook, but uh, I just post there the same things <laughs> that on Instagram. It's like repost, so <laughs> I'm more more engaged on Instagram. And then you've got a website where your blog is found and your shop as well. Yes, blog, newsletter. I try to send a once a month a newsletter, mm-hmm. blog, shop. Uh, I really would like to take more people to to my own environment. You know, I I really love this uh, more direct way, like f- through newsletter, to com- communicate with with people. I hope it will grow a little bit more with time. Yeah, I think that's a really good idea, especially when we had Instagram disappear for exactly. <laughs> yes, it's like I don't want to be so dependent on social media, other other platforms. I agree. We need a bit more independence. And I think a newsletter is a brilliant approach because those people are interested in your story and your work. Yes, I started just this year, but as uh, with everything and with my blog, I try to be very like open and just sharing my journey. You know, it's like not super, super official. It's more like person to person just talking. (laughs) And I think it's, you know, the whole... The whole thing about unfollowing is it, it plays in Instagram where you have, I mean, you get to a certain numbers and you don't really notice that people have unfollowed you. But mm. when you first start out a newsletter, you know, at least I noticed that you get people subscribing. And then as soon as you put out a newsletter, you have people unsubscribe the next day. You may yes. have one or two. That's all it takes. And yes. it's like, what oh, did I say exactly. to push me <laughs> Oh, happened to me too. Yes, with those lower numbers is... Uh... But I don't know, you know, it, it doesn't affect me so much at this point. I feel like um, I am really trying to be myself and if someone doesn't connect with it or is like not something he was expecting or looking for, it's okay. Yeah. So it's better in, for both of us in the long term. <laughs> That's exactly the approach I've taken and it's it's been hard. It's like to say it is like, sure, it sounds great, yes. but to actually believe it <laughs> is another thing. And... I have found that that approach has been great. Like mm-hmm. being able to, if I had people, I had two people unsubscribe after the last newsletter and mm-hmm. it was like, you know what? I'm glad we parted ways <laughs> because obviously what I had to say was it of interest to them. Yes. And I want to make sure that I'm writing for the people. That are genuinely interested in what you want to say. Exactly. Mm-hmm. That, you know, that I'm not trying to cater to trying to bring these one or two people back who are just... They're on a different journey. They're looking for different things. Exactly. So and it doesn't mean that they don't like what you are doing. It's just not their thing, maybe. Right. They were expecting something, something else. Yes. It hit them. Yeah. Yes. Or sometimes, you know, uh, maybe you offer something by subscribing to newsletter. You maybe, I, for example, give uh, uh, wallpapers of my artworks for the people who first subscribe and maybe some people just wanted that and that's it (laughs) what's your feeling with instagram in that i think a lot of people judge someone's creative ability on the number of followers they Mm. may have 
And how do you see Instagram mm-hmm. specifically? Because you use that a lot mm-hmm. as a, how, how do you see that fitting into your creative practice as an artist? So I'm I'm trying to use social media, uh, Instagram, more like a, a tool that would help me to to support my my artistic career. I I never create specifically for social media. I try to incorporate it into my my workflow, my my normal artistic routine. I try to share sneak peeks of my my process. I try to engage with with the audience, but not in a forced way. I never spend uh, you know much time thinking what uh, the people would like to see, because I want that people follow me for who I am, for kind of artist that I am, for what I am creating, what kind of stories I tell, and uh, I know that those kind of followers. Uh, are more more valuable also for me i know uh, that they will genuinely enjoy and, and support support what i do i must say that uh, instagram is uh, became pretty important or on my artistic career because right now it's the only place uh, where people really can can see what i do where i can share my creations with the world. I hope that maybe maybe someday we will find other other ways and places or maybe I will be able to to bring more more people to my own environment, my own website, but right now Instagram is a place where I find my own niche and it was a place through which uh, the gallery curators discovered me and, and invited me. So it really opened up uh, many new opportunities and possibilities for me. But I really try to create a distance uh, with it, like not be too obsessed about those numbers that you are talking about. I think that it's not a reflection of of artworks that we create, you know, like so much is about algorithm, about the specific time we create. Mm, sometimes you post and because of the algorithm, people just, just can't see uh, those posts. So it's not, it's not about uh, that the art is just bad or ugly and no one likes it. The problem is that no one sees it. <laughs> So mm-hmm. we, we cannot, I think, get too crazy about that. I really just try to do what I do, do my best, post and move on to to what I was doing. And Do, do you ever think about, um, I'm not going to post now because it's a bad time, or do you just post when you want to share? Like, for, you know, with regard to the algorithm mm-hmm. that you know that if I post at this time, mm-hmm. I'll get more likes versus this time. Do you think about that at all, or do you just post i check i check my uh insights insights <laughs> yes uh, yes and there is a specific window when i see that more people can see so actually I, I am trying to post in that that range whatever i could do so more people see i try <laughs> to implement it's it's hard because you know you hear that using reels mm. um and showing your face mm. uh, this is Instagram 
it's the same for TikTok. It's supposed to generate more traffic, but mm-hmm. it is, it, it's hard to have that pressure on you when you're just trying to finish the drawing in front of you. Yes. <laughs> uh, for me, actually, you know, the, the reels and videos were like excuse to make another challenge and push myself from comfort zones because I really am so determined to determined to make art as my career, I, as my living. And uh, Instagram right now is a tool uh, for me to that can help me to do it. You know, it's like all my my clients, my people I made commission for, or people who bought prints from me found me on Instagram. So. I'm trying to use it to my advantage and if uh, through reels or videos more people can see what I do and therefore I can share my journey with more people, I, I would try to to break those, those fears that I have or those, uh, you know, comfort zones and and make little reel here and there or video and it feels feels good feels good to to be breaking that and pushing my limits it's like win-win situation right i mean it gives us an opportunity to be creative about our creativity yes. so i think we need to that there needs to be value in once again the storytelling there right yes i wanted to say thank you marta for making the time and for committing to do this i know this uh this was a a first time for you and i think you did a fantastic job I think I'm going to buy a pizza and chocolate cake right now. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I like your celebration. Oh, yes. Uh, Always sweet fun. things. And, you know, it's perfect excuse. Everything is, you know, to get the cake. <laughs> That's awesome. So thank you so much. I think this has been very informative. It's been beautiful to hear your story. I think that I'm even more kind of enamored with your with your magic um, the magic in, in how you create the magic and the stories that you see behind your imagery. And I'm so anxious to see more of this over the next few years as well. And I'm glad also to hear that you are in a, a good place now with respect to the demons in your head mm-hmm. and that you've had some success in kind of managing all that for the last three years. And we're excited to have you here <laughs> be creating for us and, um, no matter what, we're going to be there for you, I think, as, as admirers of your work. So thank you so much for spending time on the podcast with me. Oh, thank you so much for all those kind words and for inviting me and seeing uh, this value and potential in my works. It's It really means so much. It makes my, my journey, you know, more magical. <laughs> well, thank you so much. And I, I look forward to to in some ways being able to observe your uh, your show coming up next November in 2022. So <laughs> <laughs> just reminding you that you've committed to do that on the podcast. So. <laughs> no, it will be good. I like to focus on, on one big project at the time. I, I try to not take too much. So I prefer to make less, but, but good and take the time. Thank you so much. That's fantastic. Well, thank you, Marta. Take care of yourself and be safe. You too. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye. Show notes, including links to everything Marta and I spoke about, can be found at drawinginspiration.fm slash 68. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe, share, and review wherever you listen to podcasts. This will surface the podcast for others to enjoy. Thank you so much for joining us this week. Be kind to yourself. 
and each other, and keep drawing. Theme music for this podcast is Acid Jazz, provided by Kevin McLeod.